Ecclesiastes this morning, chapter 9. Well, I tell you, just you really can't write a better hymn than that. Amen? What a beautiful, beautiful hymn the old rugged cross is. We are in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 this morning as we continue to walk our way through this wonderful book. I've enjoyed preaching uh, from it so much. Uh, the title of our message this morning is This Unpredictable Life. As we read through this, I hope that you'll be able to see that theme in these verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. <clears throat> but all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun." Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going." Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those who with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard and quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Father in heaven, we know that your word is precious, and we know that it's powerful. This morning, may we show how precious we believe it is by giving our attention to it. And may you show us how powerful it is by transforming us through it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid, um, I had uh, what was called a Nintendo. Some of y'all may know a little bit about that. And uh, when we got a little bit older, because we all ran around, the, the, whenever we were kids, we all got up and we left and we ran around the neighborhood and then we come back in at night. Things were different back then, you know. And so we quickly started calling the Nintendo the No Friendo because we realized that all these people who were playing Nintendo all the time didn't want to come outside anymore. We'd say, where's old Billy at? Well, I guess he's inside playing his No Friendo. That's all we would say. Now, we thought that was funnier than y'all do, obviously, but it was funny to us when we were kids. 
But when I was a kid, I used to love to play Nintendo, and I got pretty good at, at the games. And, and I, I also I really enjoyed playing a game called Super Mario Brothers. That's when it was brand new. And I quickly learned how to beat the game, and then I challenged myself. I said, I don't want to just beat the game. I want to beat the game without dying even one time. And so I played the game so often that I knew exactly what was going to happen on every stage. I knew when to jump. I knew when to duck. I knew when to run. I knew when to stop. The game just became absolutely predictable to me. And so I was able to beat the entire game without ever dying one time. Now to get to that place, I had to die thousands of times. Understand that? To get there, I had to die thousands of times. Now listen to me, life is not like a video game. You can't play it over and over and over again until you learn how to breeze through it without a single mistake. Now, this is our first and only time we get to play this game called life, y'all. This is, this is it. And we don't know every, where every pitfall is. We don't know where every enemy is. This life is unpredictable. And Ecclesiastes chapter 9 tells us about this unpredictable life that we live. The first thing I want you to see here is this, is that life is unpredictable because God is sovereign. Now God is sovereign over the righteous and the unrighteous. Solomon is sure to tell us that in verses 1 through 6. If you'll notice in verse 2, Solomon says, It's the same for all. And then he tells us who the all he's referring to are. Notice how he describes the lost and the saved in verses 1 through 6. He calls them the righteous and the wicked. He calls them the good and the evil. He calls them the clean and the unclean. He calls them the ones who sacrifice and the ones who don't sacrifice. The ones who swear an oath before God and the ones who refuse to make an oath before the Lord. Now if you look closely, you'll see that there are similarities between the lost and the saved in these passages. In other words, verse 1, if you look there, neither of them know the future. If you look at verse 3, neither of them are without sin. If you look at verses 4 and 5, neither of them escape death. And if you look at verses 5 and 6, neither of them are remembered many years after they leave the earth. Now, now this crushes, this idea that Solomon is putting forth, crushes the idea of karma. There's this illusion in our world about karma. The idea that if you do good things, then good things are going to happen to you. But if you do bad things, then bad things are going to happen to you. This is what we need to remember. God can't be manipulated by the righteous, and God can't be manipulated by the wicked. You can't say, God, you have to fill my life with good things because I'm a good person. You can't say that. Because if that were true, guess what? Life would be very predictable. You'd say, well, as long as I'm good, good things, it's going to be a great day today because I've been a great person today. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine there's a roadblock, there's lots of cars backed up for miles, and the officer comes out and he says, hey, all you good people, we're going to let y'all go around. But all you bad people, y'all got to stay in traffic today. Your life's going to stink and we're going to make sure of it. Doesn't work that way, does it? God, God doesn't have to give us a great day because we're righteous people. And God doesn't have to give a wicked person a terrible day. 
God is sovereign over that. He doesn't have to do that. Now Solomon, in verses 3 through 5, expresses his frustration here. Now it's natural for us to wonder why righteous people suffer and die. Remember, Martha was so upset with Jesus about her brother dying. She said this, she said, If you had been here, he would not have died. That's what she said to him. She was mad. She said, If you had been here, he would not have died. Yet if you go back and read John 11, 5, and 6, you'll see that it was Jesus who decided to wait until Lazarus died before He ever left. Lazarus was a believer. But Jesus let Lazarus die. And that frustrated Martha. Now I want to look at verses 4 and 5 because they confused a lot of people. Some have used these verses to teach, well, people aren't conscious after they die. But that's not what He's teaching here. When Solomon says that a living dog is better than a dead lion, he goes on in the next verse to explain why. Because he says the living have an understanding that they're going to die. In other words, they can repent. They can get their life right with God. The dead don't have that opportunity. When he says that the dead don't know anything, he's not saying that man ceases to exist. His point is that man cannot use wisdom to begin using he cannot use, use the wisdom of God to begin living his life for the glory of God. He can't do that anymore. As well, he can't rejo- enjoy the rewards that come from living your life for Christ in this world. Now let's compare two lost people to kind of take his, his illustration here. It might help us understand it a little better. One, over here you've got a millionaire. He's the lion. Over here you've got a beggar. He's the dog. If the millionaire dies before the beggar, the beggar is better off than the millionaire. Right? Because all that money doesn't help him. The beggar still has the opportunity to give his life to the Lord. The millionaire, all that stuff is gone for all of eternity. Just like James said, our life is like a vapor, like a puff of smoke. Here one minute and gone the next. Now have you ever noticed this, that the sovereignty of God only bothers us when life is uncomfortable? The sovereignty of God, the idea that God has absolute control over our life, the sovereignty of God only bothers us when life is uncomfortable. I've noticed that a lot in my own life. Something bad happens and what's the first thing we say? Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Right? That's just, that's just a, a, a fallen human nature, a tendency that we have. Lord, why did this happen to me? But how come we never do that when good stuff happens to us? Amen? How come we never do that? Whenever things are good, how come we never say, Lord, what in the world did I do to deserve this? Lord, what in the world did I do to deserve brand new clothes? Lord, what in the world did I do to be able to deserve a meal like this? Lord, what in the world did I do to deserve the family I have? Lord, what in the world did I do to be able to have four walls and a roof over my head? Lord, what in the world did I do to deserve good health? Lord, what in the world did I do to be able to deserve to see that sun come up every single day? You see, we never think about it that way, do we? We only think about what in the world did I do to deserve it when bad things happen to us. But I'm telling you, more good things come from the hand of God than bad things. And if you determine whether or not you love God, whether or not God loves you by the events in your life, man, you're going to be confused. Because one day you'll think, well, God loves me today. And the next day you'll say, well, I don't know if God loves me at all. And the truth is, We have to be willing to accept the good and the bad in this world. And we have to understand that what happens to us in this world 
is not dependent on whether or not we were good or bad people. It's dependent upon the events that God has ordained that be in our lives. Each and every one of us. God is sovereign. God is absolutely sovereign. And that's why life is unpredictable. Secondly, life is unpredictable because we're limited by time and chance. We see that in verses 11 and 12. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happens to them all. Now let's define what Paul means, I mean, sorry, what Solomon means here by time and chance. What is time? Time is the length of your life or the length of the circumstances in your life. Time is the length of your life or the length of the circumstances in your life. What is chance? Chance is the events in your life. The events in your life. Solomon says life is unpredictable because of time and chance. Back to James again. You know, James was talking to a group of businessmen in the church and and he said, you know, you guys are always talking about what you're going to do. You're going to go over to this city. You're going to start a business. You're going to make money. You're going to live. You're going to have a good life. And James said, you ought not to be talking like that. He said, you ought to say this, if the Lord wills, I'll go into such and such a city. I'll do a particular job, if the Lord wills. Why? Because we live in a world of time and chance. I've known people who had retirement planned. They were looking forward to a wonderful time. They retired and they left this world quickly. And not only did that affect their plans, but it affected their spouse's plans as well. Probably many of you have known the same situation. Now Solomon then gives some examples of people affected by time and chance. I want you to notice what he says. He says, think about it. He says, the fastest runner doesn't always win the race. That's why you have a race. He says, the strongest man doesn't always win the battle. He says, the wisest people in the world don't always have the the daily necessities of life. He says, the smartest people in the world aren't always the richest. And he says, the most skillful people in the world aren't always the ones who get favored in this world. Let me bring it down to Georgia vernacular so we can really understand it for some of our fellows here. You ever took a person fishing for their first time and they caught the biggest fish? And you're standing there like, what in the world? You caught a five-pound bass on a number four hook and a red wiggler. Doesn't make any sense. Another one, guys. Uh, a guy, hey, man, I've never been hunting. Oh, I've been hunting all my life. Well, will you take me one day? You take him, put him in your stand, he shoots the biggest buck you've ever seen in your life. You walk away thinking, what in the world is happening here? That's exactly what, what Solomon is saying right here. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest person, but life would be very predictable if that were to happen. But life isn't like that. These are, there are people in this world, Solomon says, who have little skill, but still succeed. I remember when I went off to college and, and I was just a redneck, freshly mulletless, you know, just, just completely changed by the grace of God. And I went off to college and, and I used to play chess. I used to enjoy playing chess, but I wasn't great at chess or anything. And I went into my dorm and there were all these guys in there and, and I was probably no doubt the dumbest one there. 
And, and, and so one of the things that, that a lot of the smart guys used to do is they would get out there and they would have these chess tournaments. And there was this guy, and he was just the best chess player in, in all the dorm, in all the big dorm. He was the best one. And nobody wanted to pay him because everybody got beat. And I was freshly at the school, and I was walking through there, and, and, and he asked me, he said, hey, would you like to play chess? He said, do you play chess? And I said, well, I know how to play chess. And he said, well, would you like to? And so I said, well, sure. And I was like, well, this guy's going to murder me. And I sat down, and I don't know how, but I mopped the floor with this guy, man. I destroyed this guy in chess. And you know what? I, I retired from chess that day at college. <laughs> I said, I'll never play. I didn't say it out loud. I said it in my heart. I'll never play chess again because I have no clue how I beat that guy. And so everybody walked around school thinking I was just great. I wasn't a great chess player at all. I was just smart. You'd be the best guy. Why ever do it again, you know? And that's how life is sometimes. You know, maybe you should have got the promotion, but the person less qualified did. Maybe you work harder, but you're paid less. Life isn't fair. We live in a fallen world that's filled with self-centered people, and most people aren't concerned with what you deserve. They're concerned with what they want. And that's sad, but it's true. Now, we can't control the events in our life, but we can control our response to them. God is sovereign over these events. We can't control the events in our life, but we can control our response to them. And did you know that how you respond to the unpredictable events in your life is far more important than the events themselves? John the Baptist could not keep Herod from cutting his head off. But he could determine how he responded when he was kept in that prison. Joseph could not control Potiphar's wife when she made all those false accusations against him. But he could control how he conducted himself in prison. Job couldn't control all the stuff that Satan did to him. But Job could control how he responded to everything that was coming against him for all that time in the book of Job. And it's our response to the events, the events in life that really determine if God is pleased with us or not. Not the events themselves. See, we look at the events and say, well, if good things happen, then God's pleased with it. We, no, 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 no. How we respond to the events in our life, that really reveals if God's pleased with us. Our character. Who we are. In other words, do you serve Him when you don't win the race? Do, do, do you love Him when you don't win the battle? Do you praise Him even when it appears you don't have the necessities of life? Do you give Him glory even when your pockets are empty? Do you say God is good even when you don't get the promotion? I mean, that's what it's all about. You don't have power over the circumstances in your life. I don't have power over the circumstances in my life. But I do have the power to praise God in the midst of the circumstances of my life. And that matters far more than the events themselves, y'all. Because the events themselves do not determine if I'm good or bad. The events themselves, uh, you could be a good person or a bad person. Who knows what's going to happen to you? But how I respond reveals who I am in the Lord. Good, bad, however you want to put it. Righteous, unrighteous. That's the point, folks. And I'll tell you what, listen, here's the thing. <clears throat> you and I would never really know. If God did not allow these unpredictable, undesirable events in our life, we'd never really know where we were with the Lord, would we? 
Everybody's happy when they're pampered. Amen? Everybody's happy when everybody's doting on them and fixing their plate and propping up their feet and adjusting the air right where they want. It better, who wouldn't be happy? So you don't even know who you are. And so this unpredictable life is something that reveals to us, to God, to a watching world, who we truly are in the Lord. We should have won the race, but we didn't. But we're still praising God. We should have won the battle, but we didn't. But we're still praising God. I think y'all get the idea there. Amen? Now, life is unpredictable because sinful people do not always value wisdom. We see that in verses 13 through 17. Solomon gives an example of how foolish people can be, and he gives a little story. He says there was this small city. He said there were many people in this city. Um, and this powerful king came, and he came to take over the city. But he said there was a poor wise man in that city who developed a strategy uh, that gave victory to the city over this powerful king. But he said it didn't take long, and you realize that the people weren't really grateful for the wisdom of the man. They just forgot about him. They forgot about everything that he did. Now you would think that these folks would be happy. Maybe they put up a statue of this man, you know? Oh, this was the man who saved us. Reward this man somehow, but but it appears that, that in this little story here that they didn't reward him at all. You know, sometimes an individual seeks godly, godly wisdom only because they need help. They don't really want to live for God or do what God wants, but they just need some help. Just like that city needed deliverance, sometimes there are people in this world, they just need a quick deliverance. Maybe it's an impending divorce. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a sickness. And during these times, as a pastor, I've seen it so many times, during these times, people seek godly counsel. But when the storm is passed, all too many times, the people will forget all about the people that they received help from, and they'll go back to life like it was before they ever met the person or before the crisis came. They may even fail to give credit to the Lord for the the help that they received. Maybe they reason, well, things just got better. Things get bad, things get better. That's how life is. And sadly, that's the truth for most of our society. That people who get the benefits of wisdom and get a blessing often completely forget about where that wisdom and where that blessing truly came from. Now, we should value wisdom even when the world doesn't. Solomon says wisdom is better than weapons in verse 18. In other words, you can accomplish more with godly wisdom than you can with weapons. You know what the fool wants to do? The fool wants to fight first. Amen? Fight first, ask questions later. What does the wise person do? Wants to use wisdom to bring peace. And it only takes one foolish sinner to cause a whole lot of harm. A foolish king can easily start a war that results in the death of a whole lot of people. And in the same way, our foolish and sinful behavior, even though we regard it as small, can lead to a whole lot of widespread trouble. And so when we meet with problems, what do we use? Well, we use wisdom to solve them. But when we do that, we should not be surprised when we realize that the wisdom that we use is soon forgotten by other people. Life is unpredictable for this reason. Most of the people in this world would rather be foolish than live their lives by the wisdom of God. 
They would rather live a foolish life than anything else. Now we've kind of went through these, these points really quick and, and it's because I want, to, I want to jump on here this last point and I really want this to be something that, that helps you out as you live your life this week. And, and this is the unpredictable life can be enjoyed. Because you listen to all that and you say, well that, that's pretty depressing, Brother Kyle, you know? My goodness. I don't want you to leave here with that. I want you to understand that this unpredictable life can be enjoyed. So I want you to back up and I want us to look at verses 7 through 10 of Ecclesiastes 9. Look what he says in verse 7. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white, let no oil be lacking on your head. So he says here, first of all, in verses 7 and 8, that if you're a righteous person, the righteous should be joyful. The pure garment and the oil in verse 8 represent purity and favor. They probably symbolize somebody who's attending a celebration. And he's saying that you and I can celebrate in this world. You and I can, can eat and drink with joy. Why? Because the approval of God rests on us. Regardless of what happens in our life, we know this, that God is pleased with us because we're in Christ. God is pleased with us because we're saved. And what a blessing it is, church, to know that we have been declared righteous. What a blessing it is to know that we have been forgiven. What a blessing it is to know that you and I are holy, are set apart for God. If you're in Christ, listen to me now. If you're in Christ, you may not know what's going to happen, but you know what has happened. Amen? And what has happened is you've been declared righteous. What has happened is you've been forgiven. What has happened is you've been made holy before the Lord. What has happened is you've been saved. Amen? And if you've been saved, no matter what happens in this life, you can still eat your bread with gladness, can't you? You can still have joy. I heard someone say, you can tell what a church's theology is by what they sing. You can tell what a church's theology is by what they sing. You can tell if they believe it by how they sing. Amen? You can tell if they believe it by how they sing. My dear friend, it's not just enough to just kind of think about these things in a, in a very stoic way. We need to understand, yes, life is hard, life is tough, but I'm in Christ and therefore... All the suffering that comes to me in this world can't be compared to the glory which is going to be revealed in me. Listen, I don't know what will happen to me if I live tomorrow. If I live to see tomorrow, I have no idea what's going to happen to me. But I know what will happen to me if I die tomorrow. Amen? If I die tomorrow, I will enter the streets of glory. If I die tomorrow, I'll be back with old mama. Amen? If I die tomorrow, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If I die tomorrow, it'll be alright. Amen? I may not know what happens tomorrow if I live, but I certainly know what will happen tomorrow if I die. And for that reason alone, you and I should enjoy this unpredictable life. For that reason alone, you and I should enjoy this unpredictable life. Now I want you to notice in verse 9, he says that if you're married, the righteous should enjoy marriage. Marriage in 1 Peter 3, 7 is called the grace of life. Why? Because it's the greatest earthly relationship that you can have. Earthly relationship. It's this relationship of marriage. It's the most intimate relationship on earth. It's the only relationship where God describes it as two people becoming one. 
The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I want to say, listen, if you're married today, enjoy it. Amen? If you got your spouse here, man, enjoy it. Don't you wait until tomorrow. Why? Because life is unpredictable. Marriage is fragile. And if not enjoyed, it can be destroyed by the enemy. And marriage is temporary as well. You know, in other words, you know, marriage is for this earth. I've spoken with widows and widowers as well who've said these words to me. We were going to do so much. Amen? We were going to do so much. And some of you are married today and you're just not enjoying your marriage, man. You say, well, Brother Kyle, we're too busy to do anything. Brother Kyle, we're too broke to do anything. Brother Kyle, we're too tired to do anything. Keep saying that and one of these days you'll be too dead to do anything. One of you will, amen? One of you will be too dead to do anything. There's a whole lot of unpredictability in your life. There's a whole lot of unpredictability in my life. But there's one thing that is predictable. The most predictable thing in my life as far as day-to-day life is this. The most predictable thing in my life is when I get up in the morning, Jennifer Giddens will be there. And when I go to bed at night, Jennifer Giddens will be. That's the most predictable thing in my life. Amen? I don't know if the kids will be there. I don't know if I'll have a job, if she'll have a job. But I know this, that that she'll be there. And I tell you what, that's a blessing, amen? If you don't believe it's a blessing, talk to one of these widows or widowers, amen? And they'll tell you how what of a blessing that is, amen? And I'm going to tell you something, man. Don't take your marriage for granted. And don't let your youngins get in the way of it either, amen? Once in a while, you got to do that. Amen? You're not married to her. I'm married to her. And then finally, the righteous should live life wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you're going. Solomon says, whatever you do, do it with everything you have. You know, life is unpredictable, but you can't let that discourage you. You can't have this fatalistic attitude of, oh boy, just don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be terrible. You know, the, the Eeyore of the bunch. Every day is a gift from God. And if you have breath in your body, you should live it to the fullest. Live it to the fullest. You should enjoy the certainties that you do have in this life. You know you have today. You know you have people in your life today. You know you have strength to serve God today. You know you have opportunity today. You know you have the resources today. You may not know tomorrow, but you know today. Amen? You know today, and so to wait to enjoy life for something to happen or some future event is absolutely ridiculous because you don't know if that day will even come. But God's giving you today, and Solomon says, look, live with all you have in this unpredictable world today. And here's a question, and this may seem like a foolish question, but it's not really a foolish question. It's a very good question. Are you enjoying life? Amen? 
Are you enjoying life? Are you serving Christ wholeheartedly? Are you wholehearted in your marriage? Are you wholehearted in your church? Are you wholehearted at your job? Be wholehearted. Be 100%. Enjoy this unpredictable life. And the key to enjoying this unpredictable life is to be content with the one God gave you. Don't look around at everybody else's life and compare your life to them. But live the life that God has given you. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I don't care how tough your life is. I don't care how, how aggravating your youngins are. I don't care how ornery your husband is. If you're saved, listen to me. You've got enough reason to enjoy this day. You have the righteousness of Christ given to you through the old rugged cross. You have a relationship with other people. You have readiness in your body, strength and ability in your body. So enjoy life today, folks. You know, the biggest question would be, do you know Christ? Because you want to talk about certainty. There's certainty in Christ. You, you may not know what will happen to you tomorrow, but as I said earlier, if you're saved, you'll know what will happen to you if you die. And you may not know this, so I'll say it, everyone in this room is going to die. Ten out of ten people, recent survey took, showed it. Ten out of ten people die. Amen? And listen, if you're thinking, well, I don't know what will happen to me after I die, I guess I'll find out when I get there. Well, you're in trouble then, buddy. If you don't have a room book beforehand, you don't check in at the desk. Amen? It's here now. And the certainty of salvation is the most wonderful, joy-giving reality in the universe. These things have I written to you that you may believe in the Son of God and that you may know that you have eternal life. Where does that come from? It comes from looking at Jesus who said, I'm going to the cross for you. I'm dying for you. And He took your sins on that cross. Three days later, He rose again. Now your responsibility is to say, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from my life of sin. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I cry out to you, Oh God, save me. And when you do that and when you mean it, your eternity is not unpredictable anymore. Your eternity is absolutely predictable. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I like that kind of certainty. Amen? Amen. See, while there is no certainty in a sinful world, there is certainty in the perfect world that we're headed to. And we have promises that come from that perfect world. And those promises are precious. Those promises are sweet. And my dear friend, if you've not taken hold of them, I pray you will. With every head bowed, Father, we love You. And we're grateful for Jesus and the certainty He gives us.